0: Please turn to Psalm 119, Psalm 119, and I would like to direct our attention today to verses 129 through 136, Psalm 119 starting at verse 129. Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Look thou upon me, and be merciful unto me, as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so will I keep thy precepts. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. Rivers of waters run down my nights, because they keep not thy law. Starting at the beginning, thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. The Lord can command compliance, and in some places he does, such as the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt, thou shalt not. But a regenerate, spirit-filled man has the motivation greater than mere compliance. He admires the perfection of God's Word, loves the God who gave it to him, eagerly fulfills uh, his law, and is greatly benefited by it psalm nineteen eight. the statutes of the lord are right rejoicing with the heart i'm going to skip verse 130 for now an and come back to it 131 i opened my mouth and panted for i longed for thy commandments yes, lord. this could be longing to fully understand them it could be longing to have them applied to every area of life it could be a longing to understand an apparent contradiction such as why three kings of Judah are missing from the genealogy in Matthew 1. The point for us is, how badly do we want to understand the Bible and do what God would have us to do? One thirty-two. Look thou upon me, and be merciful unto me, as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. David here recognizes the Lord has a pattern of showing mercy to those who love him. He sees God's mercy in others' lives, and he asks for it to be shown to him. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Here is a very important prayer for each of us. Teach me and convict me through your word, so that no sin can rule my life. What does order my steps in thy word mean? It means, help me live a life based on the Bible. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so will I keep thy precepts. Lord, please deliver me from any oppressive influence that might prevent me from keeping your commandments. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. David begs for God's favor and teaching. Rivers of waters run down mine eyes, because they keep not thy law. The psalmist is grieved because God's word is sometimes ignored, or rejected, or not kept as faithfully as it could be or should be. Now I want to come back to verse 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. Yes. As we pause our psalm presentations for a while and turn our attention to martyrs again, as our brother Stephen did for us a few years ago, this psalm stood out to me because this verse is associated with one of the more famous martyrs of England, William Tyndale. Yes, Lord. How is it associated with him? In 1884, a statue was erected to honor him in Whitehall Gardens in London, England. These gardens are in the middle of London, on the Thames River, a few blocks from Buckingham Palace and the Trafalgar Square. The inscription on the plaque at the bottom of the statue honoring Mr. Tyndale includes this verse. Excuse me, the entrance of thy words give us light. William Tyndale was born in about 1494 in a small village in Gloucestershire, England. England was a Catholic-dominated country at the time, and as far as we know, his family were Catholic, at least nominally. At 12 years old, he entered Oxford and studied there eight years. He became fluent in all major European languages, all of them, as well as Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. He then studied further at Cambridge, where he was exposed to Desiderius Erasmus' Greek New Testament. Speaking of his education, Tyndale said this, They have ordained that no man shall look on the Scripture until he be nozzled in heathen learning eight or nine years, and armed with false principles with which he is clean shut out of the understanding of the Scripture. It appears that during Tyndale's time, both at Oxford and Cambridge, his love for Scripture increased greatly and he developed a fervent and overwhelming desire to translate the scriptures into the English language. However, an English translation of the scripture was specifically forbidden by the Constitutions of Oxford of 1408. These constitutions, available online, were 13 points published by Archbishop Thomas Arundel in order to regulate preaching, translation, and education in England. All the writings of John Wycliffe and the Lollards were condemned by name. Point number seven specifically forbade translation of the scripture into English. After leaving Cambridge, he became tutor to Sir John Walsh's children in the town of Little Sudbury. Sir Walsh had frequent dinners where local Catholic clergy and other men gathered and discussed ideas. According to John Fox, they discussed Martin Luther, Erasmus, and questions of the, script, of the Scripture. Tyndale was a frequent contributor to their discussions and proved able to present and defend ideas with great skill using Scripture Amen. and to show others their errors. The Bible he used was Erasmus' Greek New Testament. This caused some grudges among the local priests, and they spread negative rumors about Tyndale. A bishop's chancellor called a meeting of all local priests, including Tyndale. Tyndale was threatened and railed against, but was let go. He was later confronted by a Catholic priest, who reportedly said, We had better be without God's laws than the Pope's. Tyndale answered with righteous indignation, I defy the Pope and all his laws, and if God give me life, excuse me, if God give me life, ere many years... The plowboys shall know more of the scripture than thou knowest. Many of Tyndale's writings are available on Google Books, and it is readily apparent that the driving ambition of his life, repeated often, was to translate Erasmus' Greek text into English for the benefit of common English speakers who did not know Latin. Tyndale soon saw... He would make no progress in Sodbury and returned to London in 1523 to seek permission directly from the Bishop of London, Cuthbert Tunstall, for his translation. He wisely prepared by translating a difficult Greek oration by Isocrates into English for the bishop to review, but he refused to see him. Following this rejection, he was taken in by Humphrey Monmouth, a city alderman of London and a merchant who had appreciated Tyndall's lectures. These English merchants were to be helpful and influential to Tyndall the rest of his life. Tyndall remained in London a little longer, and when he perceived there appeared to be no place in England for him to translate, he left for continental Europe in 1524, aided with some money from Mr. Monmouth. His exact path is unknown because he had to do everything in secret. However, he completed an English translation of the New Testament. the next year. Copies were printed, funded by the English merchants, and made their way into England and Scotland. Although this English New Testament cost two and a half weeks wages for the average person, copies were eagerly sought. These developments greatly alarmed King Henry VIII of England And Sir Thomas More, the Lord Chancellor, Sir More punished merchants who were found with Tyndall's translation and forced them to publicly recant. Bishop Tunstall of London preached a sermon against the translation alleged it was full of errors and had copies burned in front of St. Paul's Cathedral. Common people were reportedly unsettled by seeing God's word treated this way by witnesses at the time. Cardinal Wolsey condemned Tyndall as a heretic. Tyndall, still in hiding, wrote on several other subjects and then began translating the Old Testament. Around that time, Henry VIII wanted an annulment from his marriage to Catherine of Aragon so he could marry Anne Boleyn, and the Pope wouldn't grant it. In 1528, Tyndall published The Obedience of the Christian Man, in which he argued that civil rulers were put in their offices by God were accountable only to him, and that they had no obligation to do the bidding of any church or pope, but should manage the nation for the benefit and prosperity of its citizens. Anne Boleyn had a copy of this book and gave Henry VIII Uh, with with, with the parts she wanted him to read highlighted by. He is reported to have exclaimed, This book is for, this is a book for me and all kings to read. Many believe this book helped Henry rationalize his eventual break from Rome and remove England from Catholic control. In 1530, Tyndall published On the Practice of Prelates, in which he opposed Henry's annulment on scriptural grounds. This stirred up Henry against him. Tindal was eventually betrayed to authorities in Antwerp by Henry Phillips, an Englishman who pretended to be his friend. He was imprisoned at a castle in Villefort for about 18 months, during which time he is said to have converted his keeper, the keeper's daughter, and others of his household. In 1536, he was strangled and burned at a stake. Famously, his last words were, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. Tyndall's dying prayer was answered. Even while Tyndall was in prison, Miles Coverdale and John Rogers completed translation of the Old Testament and printed the first complete Bible in English, known as the Coverdale Bible. In 1539, three three years after Tyndall's death, Henry VIII finally officially sanctioned an English Bible and the Great Bible as it was known was distributed to every parish church in England. Tyndall's translation became the foundation for subsequent English translations, but maybe the most direct answer to Tyndall's prayer may have come 68 years later when King James I ordered a new English translation. It is estimated that the New Testament in our King James Bible is 84% Tyndall's translation. Amen. And our Old Testament is 76% Tyndall's four of those books that he translated. William Tyndall's burning desire for English speaking people to have the Bible in their own language was accomplished. Remember what Tyndall said about the plowboy? Knowing more of the scriptures than the Catholic clergy? Yes. According to John Fox, one year after Tyndall was executed, Edward Fox, a bishop of Hereford, addressed an assembly of bishops, saying, Make not yourselves the laughing stock of the world. A light is sprung up and is scattering the clouds. The lay people know the scriptures better than many of us. Amen. Wonderful. Truly. As was written on Tyndall's statue in Whitehall Gardens, the entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple.